everybody, superfan Giovanni here. Welcome to Classic Love Line, episode 549 from November 5th, 1997, a Wednesday night show with guest Loverboy. This is a lost episode, and once again, not even a fragment of this episode has existed in the fan archives. It's been missing since 1997, now restored thanks to one of these official studio tapes. Adam opens the show with some comments and complaints about his appearance on the Charles Grodin Show, the short-lived Charles Grodin Show, earlier in the day. He was on with the women who wrote the book, The Rules, and quotes Charles calling him a pig. Adam explains to the audience uh, and the band that Loverboy are a little bit out of the demographic of the listeners for Loveline. Quite blunt. Adam recalls his years of hearing them via boomboxes on different job sites while doing construction throughout the 80s. They play a classic song and something more modern. Overall, the band are pretty solid guests, and this is their first and only known appearance of the Adam era. As per usual, this is recorded in 1997. Some of the medical information may be out of date. Please consult your own physician or contact Dr. Jordan Mike Catherwood on current day Loveline, 1-800-LOVE-191. Listener discretion is advised. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast One, on Facebook, Podcast One there as well, and PodcastOne.com, the home of all your favorite podcasts. Mahalo, and get on. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. <sighs> Two. Welcome to with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. Would you sleep with sick women? I may be pregnant, but I'm still a man. Spank the unruly ones. It's indecent, it's vulgar, it's blasphemous. You're gonna ride you, you can't stand up. Come on, come on, let's go down. All right, all right, keep your shirt on. Loveline's meant for an adult audience. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Here's Loveline with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. Yes. Phone number for Loveline, 1-800-LOVE-191, fax number 310-854-4455. I'm Adam Carolla, it's Dr. Drew. Dr. Drew is a board-certified physician and addiction medicine specialist. You know, I had a drug rep again walk up to me today and say, you're that, oh my God, you practice medicine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you're that love doctor. I, I can't, I, you know, I, I don't know how to break through that. I was on uh, Charles Grodin today, oh, and Charles had the uh, temerity to uh, say to me, well, what do you do? Uh, he was being sort of facetious, but I said, uh, Charles, what do you do? Just sit around and look like an idiot. All right, I do the same thing. Let's... How'd it go? Oh, it was fine. I got into... But well, nobody first... sees you, which is great. <laughs> well, they, well, they will if they turn on MTV, but uh, Loverboy is here tonight, Mike Reno and Scott Smith. Um, I'll tell you about that in a, in a second. We'll, uh, what about well, the... well, yeah, I did uh, Charles Grown today. They had those two Yentas who did the book, The Rules, oh. uh, on in New York, and we just got into a huge shouting match. Good for uh, you. Because those two won't Why shut up. Why was I on this show? I would love to have gone about with those guys. Well, they wanted to make it entertaining. It's uh, only an hour yeah, long. All right, okay. <laughs> so it was me against the uh, Yentas from New York who were talking about the rules, and these women would not, they were like uh, auctioneers on uh, meth. Yeah. I could not shut, oh, you take uh, two uh, Jewish housewives and put them together, did you uh, make our, look u- out. our usual point that it's not about tricking guys? That, that's what yeah. I said. I uh, said, listen, uh, you, you guys know about this book and everything, where they're, they're going to basically tell you how to capture a guy. Like they, uh, it's really, it's like, it, it, it's, uh, it's like you'd capture a wild boar if you were out in uh, the wilderness somewhere and you needed to eat. You know, dig a pit and you put some leaves over it and you, you hope, hope he comes along. I mean, I said... And this was my point. Uh, listen, there are plenty of guys out there that are willing to treat women right. They're willing to uh, open the door and buy you flowers and take care of you and uh, have families. You women aren't interested in these guys. You're interested in 
breaking Lorenzo Lamas, not finding some schmo uh, that, uh, you know, we all know these guys, right? I yeah. mean, we all went to school with these guys. We, you guys don't know them because you're in a band. <laughs> Maybe they moved some equipment or something. But you know the guy, the guy you went to school with, Artie, you know, yeah. couldn't get a date to save his life. Howard. In the, or Howie. Yeah. yeah, and the women weren't interested in this guy. Not at all. But this guy would have committed, and this guy would have treated them like the queens that they think they are. So uh, well, the other yeah. thing is, it's the difference between getting tricking guys into behaving right and getting them to commit to intimacy and, and lead them in. It's anyway, different. we we got into a war of words, and I told them uh, they said they were out on the uh, on the road promoting promoting the book, and I said their uh, husbands were elated that those two <laughs> yentas were out of the house, <laughs> and that uh, I, as God is my witness, they're at a strip bar right now, the both of them. <laughs> you say that? Yes. Oh, that's good. Stuffing singles into a g-string right now with what that happened? book money you guys are bringing that's home. That's what Charles Gordon said. What is it that you do? How did that come about? Also, uh, the other great line, and then we'll, we're, it's all over, boy. Uh, the other good line was, uh, one woman who was on uh, with us as well, whose name escapes me, said her argument for the uh, rules book was, uh, we spent a lot of time as women trying to uh, make no mean no. Remember, remember that? Yep. This is a big campaign. Uh, no means no. And what the rules is saying is no means uh, call back. Yeah. Call back, call back, or maybe, or right. down the road. So right. she's, she was complaining that uh, basically you're taking all this hard work of no means no, and you're throwing it out the window yeah. with the rules, in which case I said that the rules was a recipe for rape. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, that's Boy. I just wanted to stir things up a little bit. Evidently did. did Charles Gordon uh, dismissed you from the show from then on. No, he called me a pig. <laughs> on the air? Yeah. That's oh, good. He called me a pig twice. Oh, that's good. All right, so uh, let's talk the lover boy for a second. First off, let me uh, let me not pull any punches here. Um, you guys are a little out of our demo. We we have kids listening to this show, and we'll have uh, bands on that uh, you guys probably never heard of. And uh, actually, no one's really heard of most of the bands we've had on. Well, oh, sorry, Ann. Don't get pissed. What is you know your demo? What What's, what is your demo? Uh, demo... 12 to 40. <laughs> 12 to 40, yeah, but it's probably a little closer toward the 12 than it is uh, toward the 40. Now, of course... Uh, I certainly remember Loverboy because uh, I remember, like, you know, when I worked construction, everyone tuned it to a uh, rock station, and that's all, it was like all Loverboy. It was in 19, uh, 1982, 1983, and that's, uh, that's all there was. That's when you had a real job. Yeah, that's when I used to, well, <laughs> and you really worked you when worked I was for working living, for yeah. the weekend, yeah. <laughs> Should have told Charles. <laughs> what, we going to play working for the weekend? Oh, okay. All right. So I think what we'll do is we'll play something old and we'll play something new uh, as the night wears on uh, from Loverboy. But now, Drew, you're into Loverboy, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're at that uh, age. Po yeah, probably. You know what I mean? I, I, never, I knew the music. I never knew who the heck was playing and what the names of the bands were. You didn't I see those guys in like, the tight pants and no, banging was, their head on the amps and everything? How many records uh, has Loverboy sold over the years? How about 30 million or something like that, I think? Yeah. Worldwide. 30 effing yeah. million. 30 effing million. Yeah, wow. Wow. That was when I checked out of the American culture. Are you, uh, well, it's at least this is a Canadian culture. Well, well, the our, it's any North culture. America. Western it's culture. Who, are you guys the biggest Canadian uh, band ever, or is it um, uh, it might be BTO Rush. or something? It might be Rush or BTO, but, you know. Celine Dion's doing it, but she's a single. Right. Uh, Lana so, Morissette did it, she's a single. To me, here, here's what Loverboy uh, was to me. It was the, the transition between the rock of the 70s and the sort of uh, new wave of the 80s. It was uh, the, the rock 
meets uh, new wave band. I mean, you guys weren't Leonard Skinner, uh, but you weren't um, Elvis Costello or Devo. It was sort of sort of in between there. Uh, good riffs, bad lyrics. That was always my take on Loverboy. Mm -hmm. uh, am I right? No, you won the prize on that one. Simple lyrics. Yeah, the lyrics much. didn't distract from the song. No, I don't think we distracted too many people. No, but uh, from the beat. but you, you got, knew what the words you were. We always remembered a few of them. Oh, I, uh, hell, I was singing them all day today. You got to remember too when we wrote these songs, we were 20 years old. Right. We had these feelings, and this is how we, you know, this is how we did it. We expressed ourselves by letting it out and letting it fly. Did you, did you, um, so you had a ton of success pretty fast, right? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we climbed up pretty fast. The first uh, record was 80 or 79? 80. 80. And uh, that had a couple of hits on it. Right. And then the, uh, then Get Lucky was the uh, 81. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then is that when everything kind of exploded? That's good, yeah. Yeah. It, Took off pretty crazy from there. And did you, did anybody spin out? Anybody uh, you know freak out on drugs or um, you know? Um, well, we were we were pretty lucky. Getting a ritualistic that sex we or we anything. We didn't have any of those sort of you know pitfalls that a lot of bands. After one or two albums, they you know one guy, the guitar player or somebody, the drummer blows up or whatever. Yeah, somebody. Nothing happened like that to us. So we kept just kept going and going and going until uh, you know until finally we just sort of got sick of the whole thing and decided to take some time off. But we we you know. You have a big album. Every band has a big album. Right. But whether you can follow that up and then, and then keep it going is another thing. And uh, we found that we just stuck together pretty well as a band. It was like a family. But you, you, know. you guys, like, you toured nonstop, nonstop. For, for... For years. Right. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't imagine. We, we go to Denver for a day and come back, and I don't stop complaining for a week. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. Although, yeah. you know, that we, don't, fun. we don't get treated like they get treated <laughs> no, on the road, it's a, so it's a little different. It's a lot we used fun. to come home, we'd kiss the ground as soon as we got off the airplane. The uh, Canadian soil? Yeah, just because we hadn't been home in so long. And the sad part about it was we'd be home long enough to basically go and cut a new album. Right, and then, and then uh, repeat the process back. again. And then we hit back. the road. Right, well, let me ask you this. L.A. is a crappy town for rock and roll. Or at least rock and roll of of uh, that generation. It's uh, L.A. is about uh, new and different, and you know who's cutting edge, and you know who's coming out with something. What towns are good to Loverboy? I mean, is is in 1997? Is Detroit? Is uh, Boston? You know, uh, Detroit, Winnipeg, Midwest, Dayton. Winnipeg, yeah. Oh yeah, everybody. The South, too. You know? Smaller towns, like under a million. And what we did is we went to all these towns. We went to a lot of small towns, even though they didn't pay well. You could only fit maybe four or 5,000 people in the arena. We made a habit of doing it because we all came from small towns. So we kind of did that. It was right. part of our credo. Go there for a concert for 18 bucks or 13 bucks or something. Sell a T-shirt for 10 bucks. I mean, when was the last time you went to a concert? The prices have just, like, gone so far beyond that. It's not yeah, I always uh, perform oral sex on a guy in a security jacket, and he lets me backstage. <laughs> so I haven't, I haven't paid in years now. But, uh, Drew, I want you to look at my lip, by the way, after the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's flared up. Yeah. Uh, but when you guys were at your uh, height in the, uh, in the early 80s, mid-80s, you were playing um, huge, uh, huge stadium-type venues mm -hmm. as well, yeah, right? We did a lot. Of, we did everything. Oh. I couldn't imagine going out on stage in front of... 259 dates a year. Oh, Jesus. That's a lot of, that's a lot of working for the weekend. Uh, Anne, are we going to hear, uh, hear that? Yes, uh, good. 
I, uh, I want a little Loverboy flashback. And a lot of the stations we're on, I don't believe, uh, with the uh, alternative format, have played this one in a while. So uh, they're going to get their uh, Loverboy uh, cherry popped uh, for the second time. Uh, we got it queued up? Yes, it's working for the weekend. Oh. oh, I went back to 1981. I actually may have not gotten into that song until 82. I, I don't know uh, when it hit around here. Was that uh, late 81? Seems to me that uh, yeah. I remember that uh, is a little bit later. 81, maybe even 82. You know. Well, it says 81 on your discography. <laughs> well, then it must be. <laughs> but it could have been, well, you know, it, the, the disc could have come out in December out, 81. It takes a while, and it, takes it takes a while to catch it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember rocking to that one. It was and, the first single of that record. Drew wants to take a call. Yes. I'm into the lover boy. I know you are. Let's take right. a call. All right, all right, all right. Michelle. Yes. Hey, you're 16. Hi. Hey, you're on with lover boy and uh, lover girl, Dr. Drew. Just want to say to lover boy that even though I was just probably being born at that time, oh. you guys sound pretty cool. Your mom probably got knocked up to a lover boy song. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for Dr. Drew. Yes, ma'am. I am a bisexual teenager. I have been for, God, since like sixth grade. Um, I am, all my relationships with guys usually only last about two, three weeks, and then they break up. And my relationships with women last like years. And I was wondering what I can do, because I'm wondering if I'm a full-fledged lesbian or not, and I was kind of wondering what I should do to help you're, you're 16. How many yeah. year, yeah, multi-year relationships have you had with women? Oh, the last three have lasted about three months. Uh, not years. Uh, you, you said you, you're, you're being facetious when you say years, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, like, <laughs> you got to understand, the, the, the notion of being in a relationship for a few years is not so bizarre to any of us that we would uh, think you're just being facetious. All right, so you, but you've had better luck with women in terms of long-term. Mm-hmm. What kind of guys do you pick? Oh, everyone says, like, oh, they're crazy. Yeah, and they're weird. All right, all right. Got to listen to them. By, by the way, uh, let me just reiterate my everyone says policy. Like, everyone says you're an asshole. You're an asshole. asshole. That's right. <laughs> everyone says your boyfriend's an idiot. He's an idiot. Yeah. Uh, if everyone says fill in the blank, that's Generally what you are. True. That's yeah. what it is. That's what the reality is, huh? Uh-huh. And that goes against uh, the... the, the the 60s wisdom that uh, you set your cut your own course and uh, play by your own rules. No, you don't I'm, rely on what anybody else says, right? No, the mob rules. All right, so. Uh, but listen, uh, what happened to you? What is it about your need for chaotic relationships? Why do you choose guys that are not healthy? I don't really know. Your, so your model for relationships is typically your relationship with your parents. So what happened with your dad? Um, my father, my biological father is in prison right now for child molestation. Okay. Not toward me. <laughs> well, still, uh, suspicious that he might have been, uh, he, he's Not toward you? Huh? He, who, who did he molest? Well, there were some girls at school, and, oh. um, they were like, oh, you know, you're Michelle. Oh, yes, your father has pictures of you everywhere. And I'm like, do I know you? And there was about three or four girls in that family, and the mother allowed it, so she's in prison, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm. All right, so, uh, let me just say this, Michelle, and, um... Hold on a second. Uh, I want to talk about you behind your back. <laughs> we get a lot of crap from um, gay and lesbian groups 
who uh, don't like it when I say things like the following, but um, I'll just go right ahead and say that anyway. By the way, Scientology can't touch you today? No, I haven't talked to any Scientologists uh, today. You won't. Although, uh, uh, Tom Cruise uh, burned out on my lawn. At least <laughs> I, I think it was him. It looked like his Nova, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I didn't catch the plate. He does drive that green Nova, doesn't he? I don't know. Uh, anyway. Uh, she was calling, uh, Michelle was saying uh, she's, she's, she's bisexual and, and she's 16, and we didn't really question it, but I had the feeling that something was up. Yeah. I, we do not talk to many young women or men who are bisexual or gay or lesbian at a fairly early age that weren't effed around with just a little bit by their folks. Or a lot. And uh, Okay, or a lot. And the groups don't like to hear this because they like to think, Listen, you're bi, and you're bi, or you're gay, or you're, uh, you're lesbian, and that's the way you're born, and it's a biological thing, and uh, there's, there's no talking you into it or forcing you into it. But it just seems like the overwhelming majority of folks we talk to on this show, on this show uh, have had a little trauma. Well, I understand that when... Dad's in prison for uh, when, pedophilia. When, when trauma uh, occurs in childhood, uh, issues of sexual identity and ambivalence and uh, is sort of a natural outcome of that, and that's sort of what... Michelle's talking about it. She's talking about having difficulty really comprehending or, or clarifying what her sexual orientation is. Right. And it's because she was, uh, as you would say, after around with it in probably a pretty big way. I mean, Dad was is a convicted child molester. We don't know yet what was going on with Mom. I mean, it was probably a very chaotic family system she grew up in. Oh, that's got to be... Uh, and so she chooses guys right now who are just like that. Chaotic. All right. Dangerous. Michelle. Yeah. Just take a break from all relationships for about... Mm, Five years. Eight years. Okay. <laughs> No sex, no petting, no nothing. Just uh, take a little break and sort a few things out, because you're going to make bad decisions now. With, with the reason I have chaotic relations, uh, like a little while back, I was kind of like almost raped and beat, got the crunching oh out of me. All right, but that that is because you were victimized when you were younger that made you a good victim later. No. Oh. And that doesn't that doesn't. I'm going back to Canada with that's not the boy. reason you're a victim. It's not your fault that you were victimized. It's nothing. Uh, it has nothing to do with the fact that you're a victim of violent crime per se. They accept that somebody who is a victimizer seems to these people know who the good victims are and they yeah. seek you guys out. Does, is this stuff going on in Canada like it's going on uh, here? And by the way, why aren't more Canadians fleeing into this country? I wish they would. Out of all the countries where people uh, people come from to come into this country, it's the Canadians I'd like. They got a nice sense of humor. They can hold their liquor. That's like from the frying pan into the fire, though, isn't it? From uh, Canada here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it really is uh, the hubs of hell. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you guys real quick before we go to break. You guys were happening before, uh, you know, back when uh, uh, AIDS wasn't invented and cocaine was good for you. Pre-AIDS, yeah. And uh, everyone thought coke was just uh, something cool and it's not addictive and it just gives you a little energy and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you guys hit... It a, it a real uh, good time because you, you sort of made it in and uh, made it out. Uh, at least uh, you look unscathed. Relatively unscathed, yeah. Oh, imagine but all that we, groupie love. The, the door slammed shut in about, I guess, 1985 or 86, and it became absolutely uh, uh, irresponsible to have you know unprotected sex, and that's the way it's been since. And, and, and believe it or not, in 1981 or 82, it, there was, it was completely okay uh, at that time, to you know, to have one or more partners in an evening, or, oh. or to have a, an orgy with uh, with uh, one woman and and a whole bunch of guys, and I'm not saying we did that, but 
it happens, you know, and you hear about it all the time, you read about it all the time, and it w the worst thing that would happen was you, we all would have to go to the clinic, or they all, the they, alleged... The, <coughs> of the fictitious band yeah, you the speak fictitious of. Band that would all have to go to, you know, line up and go to the clinic the next day and get a huge needle in their butt. In know, Memphis. That was it. It was relatively harmless. It was relatively innocent, and that, that time is finished. I could just see the uh, clinicians. Uh, Loverboys here. Uh, Loverboys book the clinic from uh, two thirty yeah. until uh, six o'clock this evening, like a, you know, like a bar mitzvah or something. <laughs> they actually booked the clinic. All right. But what you would find, though, the the women that you were with would have been people like Michelle, and the women that had been through those sorts of th that stuff is good oh, for men. Listen, don't, no, it's good for don't men. Don't tarnish that's, the that's memory. That's a point. Place. That's a point. Yeah. yeah, that is a point. Yeah, but yeah. you didn't know it at the time. No, I mean, no. I'm I not mean, saying that they were they're onerous people. No, but I'm just saying it's kind of weird looking back at some of uh, my own exploits and certainly some of my friends' exploits with some of the crazy uh, women. You know, I had a friend who was sleeping with uh, a guy, a woman in 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 his apartment building. Uh, the mom, the daughter, what? and uh, like um, the the mom's sister. Oh, he was doing all three of them. And you look, you know, you're you're 17. You're going, all right, I, you know, this is great. But you look back on it and you go, oh boy, there was some trouble there. Sick, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was kind of cool when you were 17. I mean, think about that. All right. Anyway, um, we'll uh, be back with more Lover Boy and uh, more Lover Drew and uh, more Lover Me and more Lover You after this. What's the music about? What? Oh, the music. All right, everybody, True Car, you know how much I love these guys and their app. I spend uh, a lot of time on it, and it's a way to see exactly what's going on in your area. You pick a car, learn about the cars, and see what people are paying for the very car, the exact car you want. You know, there was previous ways to buy cars. You went and hang out on a lot. Now technology evolves. Everything evolves. Buying cars evolves. It advances. It makes sense that there's a new and better way to buy a car. Well, that's now called True Car. The True Car app is special, unique. Their certified dealer network is unsurpassed. They've partnered with over 10,000 True Car certified dealers that believe in a new way to buy a car. It's hassle-free. It's easy. It's fun. Use the True Car app. You can get guaranteed savings. True Car certified dealers will honor the savings that are guaranteed and locked in at True Car on your True Car app. It is that simple. True Car and True Car certified dealers. And using True Car certified dealers, you will save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. No headaches, no hassle. It's fun. And if you don't even want to buy a car, you just want to learn about it. Check out the app. Two million cars sold through TrueCar Certified Dealer Network, and you will work directly with the certified dealer contact. It is easy. It's evolved. It's technology. It's made simple. It's about time. Hi, this is Barry White. You're listening to Loveline. Childbirth videotape. Oh, Scott is. Oh boy. Oh, that's Scott. Yeah. Yeah. See, sometimes the last names confuse me. I know. Yeah, you should just said Scott. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it is Loveline. Go ahead and uh, slam the door there, Drew. Loverboy is on tonight. Mike Reno and uh, Scott Smith are here, and um, we were talking 
about the band and uh, what they're up to. And they have a, a new CD, CD out called Six, and we'll hear something off of that uh, as the night uh, wears on. Also, one thing I forgot, uh, looking through the uh, Loverboy discography, uh, other recordings. Mike with Ann Wilson from the Footloose soundtrack, Almost Paradise. Remember that song? No. Oh, <laughs> let's sing. Let's Can we sing it a little? I thought that dreams were made for others. Yeah. Oh, well, let's get to the let's get to the chorus. Almost paradise. We're knocking on heaven's door. Almost paradise. How could we ask for more? I swear. I swear. There it is. There it is. <laughs> I think I do a pretty good Ann Wilson. I'm a little lighter than she is, actually, but uh, I, do, I do a good Ann Wilson. All right, so uh, let's go back to the phone. Sarah. Yes. Hey, you're 20. How are you? Good. I have a question for Dr. Drew. Yes, ma'am. Um, I started, I took the Fenfen drug, and I started taking that in May, uh-huh. and then I ended that in August. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've been very, very moody and violent yeah. i have a very violent temper now mm. and i get the shakes a lot and i'm dizzy all the time very lightheaded well this this i suspect uh, again i can't be sure but uh this exemplifies for me the thing i've been concerned most about with this drug and that is the fact that after you, someone has been on stimulants for a period of time and you stop them uh, it can affect your mood you can get depressed you can have withdrawal uh, it can trigger addiction in some people well, how long do you think it's going to take before it stops? Because I stopped taking it at the very beginning of August. Well, it's an awfully long time. Uh, have you seen your doctor since you were off? Um, I, I went to a different doctor to get the Fen-Fen. Mm-hmm. I didn't go through my, my regular well, go physician. to your usual doctor and make sure there's not something else going on. I mean, it could have precipitated God knows what. I mean, the main concern, you understand physically, the two issues that people are concerned with with the Fen-Fen. One is that uh, it could potentially create some valvular heart defects, which mm-hmm. could mean something to you way down the line. And secondly, I was concerned about something called pulmonary hypertension. And these are for people who have been typically on the drug for more than three months and people who lost a lot of weight. I lost about 45 pounds on it. Okay. Oh, boy. That's all we need is an endorsement for FenFen. Is there alcoholism in your family? Uh, no. Okay. Have and you kept the weight off? Yeah, I have. Is I'm it, doing really is good. Is there a manic yeah. depression or any mood disorders? Just, just very, like, one, you know, one minute I'll be very happy. No, no, no. In, in, in any family history of this stuff? Um... My mom's slightly psychotic. Okay, so I, I just I worry. This is this is one of the things that had always concerned me about these drugs that it could sort of trigger or decompensate people with sort of delicate balances uh, chemically. So what do you do with the fenfen? I mean, were you supposed to stay on it forever, or what do you what were you the supposed to do when you got yeah, off? Some of the original studies were they were going to keep like a maintenance drug, like a blood pressure medicine. You just stayed on it the rest of your life, and that was that, which I always thought was insane. Uh, the other was that uh, you do it until you get some kind of baseline weight, and then you try to reduce it, and then you do other kinds of dietary and behavioral management. You just kind of wean yourself off of it. Yeah, but it, it uh, you know, it, it causes problems. Look, any look, there is never going to be a medication that is going to make a healthy person healthier. There will, there are always risks with pharmacology, regardless of what it is. And if you have a medical problem, and the risks of taking the medication are not as bad as the medical problem, then you take the medicine because you're you're helping yourself eliminate the right. risks of the medical situation. Right. We've got a lot of people that are healthy, maybe a little lazy, and they get on medication for one thing or another. Is that what you're talking about? No. You're talking, no I'm you're saying, saying medicines are bad. Oh, would, you, would you stop not agreeing with me all the time? 
You guys know what I'm... Well, here's what Drew's saying. If your medication isn't for people that are healthy. Ever. You can't, that's steroids, what I'm saying. It's like I mean, steroids, it, anabolic steroids. Oh, it makes me, it makes me stronger. No, it's going to make you... Eventually, there will be a medical consequence of taking pharmacology. Always. All right. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks. Good luck Bye. there, Sarah. Oh, boy. Eliza. Hi. Hey, you're 18. You're on with the lover boy. Yeah, and love line. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. All right. <laughs> no, I am. Like, this is really surreal because I hear you on the radio and now I'm actually talking to you. You're talking about lover boy or love line? Love line. No. Bastards. No. Love line, she said. I know. I just felt bad for the guys, you know. Yeah, but I like lover boy, too. What's going on, Lisa? Okay, well, um, I'm a first year in college, and I've sort of gotten involved with this guy who's older than me. How much? Well, he's 25. Is he a student at your college? No, he's a student at another college. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean... You, he's, he's not a graduate student or something? He, well, he's a med student. Med so. student. He's draining you. All right. Right, so I know what you're thinking. He has no time. Like, absolutely true, but whatever. Okay, so I'm, I'm into this whole how old is too old thing because, Adam, I was always, like, the number one buyer of your theory that there's something inherently wrong with guys who are going out with younger girls. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're now fishing around at least in the same peer range. You know, yeah. it, look how different it would be if he were dating somebody who was a senior in high school. Yeah. You, even though it's a one-year difference. He, he, would, he would be moving outside of his peer group. My theory starts to fade after uh, somebody turns 18, usually. Okay. It's more the, we have people that are 15. Yeah, let's just say, um, all right, so you're 18, the guy's 25, so that's seven years. Right. We have people that are 15 that want to date 22-year-olds, and I think that's weird because I couldn't picture being four years out of uh, high school, or as Drew would 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 do it do the calculations uh senior in college i don't, <laughs> i didn't go to college to me it's uh, i couldn't imagine working construction for four years and going out with someone who's in the 10th grade at well, the local but, high but again, school imagine and, how differently we'd be talking about this situation if Eliza were 17 and a senior in high school or even 18 and a senior in high school <clears throat> it's a different yeah one guy's age. in med someone's in med school and someone's in high school someone's, versus someone in med school and someone in college right and a similar age right. both adults you guys married, Mike? You married? So it's a little, little iffy, Eliza, yeah. but probably fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's okay. Like, I'm really happy, and I feel like I, we're really all right. Well we're back. we're blessing uh, the relationship. Oh, thank you. I feel so much better. We give it three weeks. <laughs> oh, don't say no, that. No, you'll please. be fine. Don't get married till it's done with residency. Just remember that. <laughs> yeah. Just remember that. Yeah, I'm not thinking that far into. Well, just remember that, just in case. <laughs> okay. All yeah, right. I'm hoping he stays here for residency. All right, Thank we'll you. we'll keep our fingers crossed. All right. All right, even though we have no idea where here is. <laughs> oh, uh, Mike, you're married. How how long? Um, semi-married. Oh, oh, this is bad. This is I know I'm gonna get. No, the that's phone good. Call no, it's fine. No, we have rappers on this show. They've been, you know, they have six wives and 19 right. kids. Come on. <laughs> well, I got, I got three kids. Right. But I'm not officially married. Is it? Are the three kids from uh, from four women, or is that from uh, the same woman? Two women. <laughs> this two women. Is so you got, good. You, got, you got one and a half from. Uh, you got two with one and one with the other. Right. That's not bad for. Uh, you know. Do you mind me asking how old you are? I'm forty. You're forty years old. You got a lot of. You got a lot of touring, a lot of rock and rolling uh, under your. I mean, you guys have been yeah. going since for twenty years now. We yeah. basically settled down, off the road. Right. In about '89, just so we could raise the kids properly and not be away all the time. So, 
you know, right. I, well, I that's did. not bad. I made a choice. Right, but so you, keep, you settled down with two women. I wish. You settled <laughs> down. You, oh, you have all three kids with one woman. Right. Okay. No, he has all. Th- he has three kids, three kids with kids two in the women. House with another woman. Listen, she's true. a mother to half of them. He's got three kids. <laughs> Here we go. He's and got three women. kids with two women. Yes, but he's but all three of them have now been corralled into one house with one woman. With one woman. Yes, that's what I said. Right. And Listen Drew's got the same thing, except for he has nine nannies, so it's actually um, <laughs> it's actually ten women and uh, three kids. And Scott, what about yourself? Uh, likewise, this like Mike, good. I, I want to hear uh, this. I got to hear this. Give up. it to him. Come Shut on. Shut your mouth. I want to hear man. this. I, uh, Mike and I are the same age, and uh, we likewise did not survive the '80s with our uh, marriages intact. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he he and I both. Our marriages both fell apart within a week of each other. Well, how old were you guys when you got married? Uh, 23 or 24, something that's, like that. No, 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 well, that's no, a big no. part of the problem. Right, right. you guys are out on... No, 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 27? Hold it, hold it. 28? Hold it. Hold it. Shake the head. What? We were like 30. No, I was 28. I got a little bit... I got married a little bit before you. But anyways, the, pro- my son's the, point, nine, the point is... And I married my, my, married my wife when she was pregnant. Right, so okay. And you married and a month or a week after me. 40 what? Something. Forty-something. Well, I'm forty-one. The point is, is that the the marriages didn't survive. The marriages did not survive. This, the constant touring and all that stuff. Right. It was impossible. It was especially it with was, uh, you guys, because you guys aren't like uh, striper or something. I mean, you guys are wearing uh, skin-tight leather red pants, and you're out there with the we were not things stuffed in the crotch, exactly. and you're, you're doing yeah, groupies, exactly. and I Who know the line. Stuff the crotch. Oh, yeah, I got my. I'll stuff mine just for around the house, exactly. just in case uh, somebody <laughs> comes point. to the door. <laughs> What's your it, point on this one, though? I the point I, is, is that, is that it, it, it is impossible to keep a relationship under those situations. Yeah. Every rock band I know, from Van Halen all the way down to Striper, for example, would they they all suffer the same thing? It's just too much stress. There's too much uh, being away from each other to to do that. So, we've made other situations happen now. We've and we're both happy with with what we have, and uh, it's it's a little unusual, but. We make it work. I, I don't know if men, uh, be, uh, whether you're in a successful rock band or not, are even biologically geared to get married in their early 20s. There's a certain amount of uh, brawling, a certain amount of drinking, a certain amount of humping that, that, is, still, uh, that is still trapped in the cells and needs to be purged. I, I know, I can tell you, I'm 33 now, and, and at 23... I still had a lot of um, I had a lot of dumb things to do before uh, before I became 33. Now I just sit home and wait to die, which is you know my new ideology. But the, the point is, is, we is, did them and you didn't. I, yeah, <laughs> no, I actually masturbated to you guys doing them. <laughs> but uh, the the, no, the, the point is is uh, I could I could see myself getting married uh, at this point in life because. Uh, I would not do the things that would jeopardize the marriage. I would not tend to go out and get into the trouble. Biology and the biology is not pushing me out of the house. I can yeah. sit home on a weekend now. I couldn't sit home no. on a weekend 10 years ago. There's no yeah. way. I had to get out. Yeah. All right. So uh, what yeah. have we learned, Drew? That I'm scared of when my son's puberty arrives. Yeah. <laughs> That's lock him up. Yeah. All right. We'll be back with more Lover Boy after this.
you haven't already heard the record-breaking podcast where Shaq interviewed Kobe. The greatest Laker ever. What's up, Kobe? Uh, what's up, my man? Well, no worries, because you can get it right now at podcastone.com. Just click on the big podcast with Shaq. Stream it or download it. You'll be glad you did. I don't hate you. I know you don't hate me. Our disagreements, we set them to each other's face. That's the big podcast with Shaq, guest starring Kobe Bryant. We've gotten a fist fight. That just showed me that, you know what, this kid ain't going to back down. At podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Oh, yeah, all right, sorry, Mike. <laughs> I was looking at something. Hey, it's the Love Line. Phone number 1-800-LOVE-191. Fax number 310-854-4455. I'm Adam Carolla. That is Dr. Drew. That is uh, Mike Reno and Scott Smith, both from Loverboy. And it's kind of surreal because... Uh, uh, I, this is a band I never <laughs> uh, thought I'd meet. <laughs> quite, quite... Uh, you didn't think they lived to... Quite honestly... No, I didn't think I'd live or they'd live. They'd live? I just never thought I'd be in uh, radio, no. for for one, and uh, just never thought I'd be sitting around talking to Loverboy. Right. Uh, like uh, like I said, uh, I, I just remember uh, swinging a hammer and listening to Loverboy and thinking, uh, just my life sucks. I wrote most of those songs whilst swinging a hammer. Really? And wishing the hell I wasn't swinging a hammer anymore. You were working uh, construction in Canada? That seems like a common in, experience in to work construction. Yeah. That why am I here? I wish I weren't here. You get a yeah. lot of chance to think. Who would have thunk, eh? I was Who the kind of thunk. I was the I was the go boy on many construction sites. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, it's a horrible job. And it's a little cold where I'm from. Oh, couldn't imagine. At the time I was in Calgary, and I remember oh. getting two feet of snow off, two piles of lumber, oh. getting it in underground, and getting it to the first floor, and throwing it to the second floor. And these are. Yeah, I mean, big time, write oh. some songs, get out of this situation. Oh, see? Motivation. That's, uh, that, that's Motivation. what uh, we were arguing with uh, the band uh, Chumba Wumba, who was in here a couple, couple nights ago, ago who oh. were talking about um, anarchism as a, as a new form of government. They didn't uh, articulate themselves real clearly. The kids. The kids. But, but basically, they were talking about the repressed, how the man repressed all the workers. In in uh, in our form of government and uh, in a, in a free market uh, enterprise, and I said, listen, I was repressed too. I used to dig ditches for a living, and all it made me want to do is get the f out of that job and make my way to something uh, that I wanted to do, like like this. And uh, that's it. That's the motivation. It's uh, I didn't stay in construction a, a day longer than I had to. It wasn't as if some man was, uh, you know, it wasn't like shackled to a, uh, you know, a carborundum blade or something and, 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 and had to stay on the site. No, that's just, I worked until I, I could afford not to do that anymore. I remember do saving, something else. when I got to the $3,000 mark, I knew I had enough for three months to live on. Right. And write songs and rehearse the group. And that's when you got out. I got, when I got to 3000 I just said, I need my paycheck at the end of the day, and that was the last time I worked in So how, uh, how old was that? a day further. Did people know each other in high school, and, uh, or as you guys would say, uh, grade 12? <laughs> <laughs> high school was good, yeah. You guys knew? Yeah. I didn't know him until I, till I uh, actually joined the band. You were the guy with the funny shoes. I was the guy with the funny shoes. That's right. We're like all from shoes. different parts of Western Canada. How did the band form, then? I met Paul in Calgary on the waterfront type warehouse, mm-hmm. newspaper across the windows. He's 
wanking away with his guitar sitting on a pop crate, soda pop crate. Right. All by himself, and I thought this guy's either stark raving mad, or I gotta have a look in this window. So I opened this little half door that they fix buses in this old thing, right? This is an old broken down warehouse. And there's this guy sitting there stomping his foot like stomping Tom Collins, just going wild. So I kind of just stood there till long enough for him to notice me, and he looked over and he said, how you doing? <laughs> so we've been together ever since. I tell you, it's the weirdest story. And uh, that's how the band, uh, that was the that, genesis I know, of the that band. Was probably not the answer you were looking for, but its its you got a vision. But what were we, like 18 at that point? No, no, I, we, I was 23 at the time. Oh, I didn't know. Uh, so the band, I well, mean. Well, I'd been in groups before this, and so had everybody. Yeah, but the. But the, we'd had enough, and managers were ripping the, us off, and record companies wouldn't sign us, and if they did sign us, they'd the take all the money. The band had fairly immediate success then. Yeah, it took uh, us. it took us about a year to get it. Recorded, off the ground, signed. Yeah, I mean, we, there's a lot of bands we talk to, even bands that are younger bands that it kicked around for seven, eight uh, years yeah. before, uh, you Together know, they, they seem unit, like right? an overnight success, but they've been around for at least five years before anything clicked at all. Yeah. And, uh, boy, you guys are lucky. Well, we did. It. <laughs> it was lucky. Susie, 22. Hi. Hey. Um, okay, my question is, um, I guess just for both of you, um, I... I, I gave my children, um, I had twins, and um, I knew that I couldn't take care of them. I was only working a part-time job, and my boyfriend at the time only had a job that paid him like eight fifty an hour, and we both just spent a lot of time drinking and smoking pot, and I knew that wouldn't be right for two children to grow up in, so um, I decided that um, giving them up for adoption would be the best alternative instead of being selfish and raising them in that kind of environment. When was this? Um, about a month ago. And how long had you had them? Did you, were they immediately given up at birth? Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, got to spend, um, I got to spend about three, three days with them in the hospital. Okay. How does that work? I mean, I, mean um, I don't want to sound insensitive, but th that just seems like a bad idea. What? To let mom bond oh. with them? To let me see them? Yeah, I mean, I would think it'd be that, that would just make it gut wrenching at the uh, at that point. Then a few days later, for them to be taken away from you, yeah. what wasn't well, it? Well, I mean, it's kind of like I mean, I think I came to the conclusion, and yes, it is gut wrenching. I mean, it's there's no excuse. Uh, uh, Susie, you you are a hero. You're, you're <laughs> really no, no. No, think about it. I want you to think about well, this. Well, she's a look, hey, Adam. Please, all right. Think compare the alternative. No, no, you're you're a uh, you're a love you're a hero in love line, but uh, boy, the status of hero has gone way down. I well, see these TV shows, and uh, the dog's a hero. He saved his master's life. Uh, he he knocked the phone off the hook, and it went busy, and a neighbor came by or something. But but look, this is, yeah, this is heroic behavior. She could right. have aborted. All right. She could she oh, okay. could have kept them, uh, and she she put yeah. aside her feelings and the suffering and the feelings that she has got to go through as a mother and a woman. Okay. Well, On she's behalf 22. of the children. She could have quit drinking and smoking pot. And, uh, but they had no money. He's a twin. Multiples are just hell, let me tell you. Yeah. They're very difficult, very costly. So you got, And then you got your wife, too. So your hands are full. Boy. Don't you, do you have twins, Dr. Drew? I have triplets. Oh, you God, you don't know how lucky you are. And triplets no. is like two sets of twins, except for one ran away. <laughs> you have twins. And, and I, what? I can't get their guest name right. Scott? Fred, Scott and Mike. Yeah. Scott and Mike. Mike has twins. We got a lot oh, I didn't. I, I didn't know uh, Mike had twins. Yeah. yeah. So you got, uh, but in three kids as well. How old are your twins? Nine. Wow. And they're and multiples are, are a handful. Are they not? 
their head. Yeah. I mean, multiples is really a whole other uh, quantum level of child rearing. Yeah. All right. So, Susie, yeah. Susie you look, did the right thing. You, uh, but on behalf of your children, know that you did the right thing for the kids. Okay. I, I hope so. But I wanted to just know, um, I'm having a real hard time psychologically. Of course. Of and course. Um, I just wanted to know, I mean, I... I mean, it's not that I cry all the time. I mean, that's I've accepted that, but I I feel like I'm going crazy. Sometimes I'm afraid to be alone. Sometimes mm. I can't. I have no appetite. I well, look, your 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 loss is one of the most serious feelings that humans have to go through. Whether it's loss by death or loss by separation of some type like this. Uh, this, uh, I, mean, this I, is, this I and, couldn't and imagine being with my well, infants and, for and I'll tell you what, three days and then men, having them taken away. We really can't imagine, period, what it's like. As women are, have biological uh, connections with their children that we will never experience. Right. And although she only spent a brief time with them, there is a biology operating there. And she is heroic. She didn't abort. Look how it's easier would have been for her just to abort and go, oh, they never existed, which is what our society tells her she should do. Yeah. She went all the way through right. with it. She gives these kids a life, and she gives them a better life than she can give from herself. And she cares about them, and she's right. having to deal I, with life. I'm, I'm and, with her. And you're going to be depressed. There's the, there's the biology of having been pregnant and then not. That, that can cause depression, particularly after multiples, just that biology. And if it becomes severe, get medication. Get treated for it, because just that biology can be overwhelming. And then also dealing with the loss. Good news is... Feeling the loss is the appropriate and healthy thing to do, and it's going to be painful. It's going to take four months or six right, but months. But what, what do you think about the um, hang out with your infant policy before we take them away? I'm not too hip on that. I think they ought to uh, just be born in the back seat of the car uh, of the people that are adopting it, and uh, they're gone. Cause I, I couldn't. It seems like uh, it's like a form of torture to spend three days in the hospital, uh, you know, um, holding these kids and then have to part with them. Why and we don't know. Why would they do that? And we don't know what the impact on the children would be, to have had a bond with the mother and then lose that. Yeah. I mean, it I... It could I, be serious. I mean, it could be. Right. I think they ought to... Why do they do that, Drew? I don't know. Do maybe, they, maybe do they, they always do that? Maybe she didn't make up her mind until the last second. Oh, boy. Yeah, you know, it's such a uh, a haunting thing if you think about it, because now you got these twins and they're out there, and you're probably thinking about them. And you know, I'm not I'm not trying to turn the knife here, but I'm just being honest about. They have the, open the way. adoptions now too, where the the adopted parents send notes, letters, and updates and pictures every year to the biological parents. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I can go with that. I, yeah. I was with uh, I was with my my kid uh, Nate, although um, I don't I don't have a child, but he. I got involved with this uh, Catholic Big Brother program before they tossed me out for uh, stealing from the Christmas fund uh, that they had over there. But uh, I was involved with this Catholic Big Brother program, and uh, my kid that I got hooked up with, uh, he was about 12 or 13 when I got hooked up with him, he brought a note once uh, when we went to the beach that his biological mother gave to him to open on his 18th birthday. And it was really eerie him opening this letter that was 18 years old uh, that whole you know by the time you read this you'll be a man kind of thing and uh, now I'm looking at you and you're just a baby and, and, and I'm she giving was, you and away. she was writing it at the age of 17 probably right she herself are 18 yeah, yeah. so uh, bizarre yeah anyway slice it I, I felt old <laughs> all right lover boy is here uh, you're not drew is here he wishes he was home uh, we're going to go out and throw the football around the parking lot, are we not, Drew? I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Drew, can't you just pee in the parking lot like you yeah. always do? Oh, you don't want me to say that? All right. Uh, we'll be back after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. Love life, love life.
DraftKings Ultimate Fantasy Podcast. Hey, it's John Kincaid. Have you checked out the DraftKings Ultimate Fantasy Podcast yet? Some fantasy insights from some of the best insiders from DraftKings. Also, too, we've got the best celebrity guests stopping on by to share their love of fantasy and maybe an insight or two. It's a must-listen every single Thursday at PodcastOne.com. That's PodcastOne.com. Hi, this is Clive Barker, and you're listening to Loveline with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. Hey, Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew here. Loverboy here. I like that Clive Barker. we got to get him back in here. He lives out here. Yeah. All right. Uh, putting a call out for Clive Barker. Uh, we're going to go do a little 10-second uh, station identification, and we will be back in just that many seconds. This is Loveline on Radio Station. Yep, love line. Lover boys here tonight. Mike Reno, Scott Smith, uh, fresh from the can. Uh, we're back. Uh, Drew, don't shut the door. I want you to go out there and get a marker and write on this uh, football I brought because uh, it's going to get sucked into the uh, Westwood One vortex and we'll never see it again. Got it'll it'll go uh, the same place your uh, Starbucks coffee sack went uh, like a year and a half ago. Oh yeah. Uh, go get a marking pad. Right here. Oh, that's too thin. No, that's too fine. Oh, this is better. It's a sharpie. All right, Drew, why don't you uh, write, like, uh, property of uh, Loveline, uh, Adam Carolla, uh, do not F with, uh, something like that. All right, uh, Loverboy's here. They have themselves a CD out. It's called uh, Six because uh, that's their sixth CD. Absolutely. And it's been uh, ten years since six? I can't believe it. No, well, since five. I can't believe it. Right, I mean, uh, yeah, ten years. Uh, five came out ten years ago. Right, well, this is what they tell me, but I'm still fighting that one. And I'd like to find out for sure. Was it? Was it? Is it just been touring for the for the last uh, ten years? Uh, no, actually, we decided to take some time off. In was it eighty uh, nine? Eighty nine, and we just started raising kids. And next thing you know, the music was so violent. And did did you did you make enough money? Uh, I mean, you should have made enough money uh, from all the touring and all the record sales. Uh, Thirty million record sales, I, I believe you mentioned at the top of the show. It. Did you guys get screwed, or uh, did you make your money? Did you save your money? Yeah, we did all right. And uh, does the money still come in from uh, from that stuff? I mean, you still get um, checks and stuff from, um, I don't know, ASCAP or something like that? Absolutely. Uh, is anyone uh, remaking Lover, Lover Boy songs? They're starting to. We're just on the cusp. Yeah, that, that, see, and then that's a whole new set of checks that come in. Oh, my God. See, that's what we got to do, Drew. Well, we got to create gotta, something where well, we go out to the mail. You've got all your ma- great inventions. you got to go produce them now. I need one of those mailbox gigs where I go out with uh, nothing but a pair of slippers, a bathrobe, and an erection <laughs> every morning about 1230 and just stand by the mailbox uh, waiting for the check to come. That's I what think we you're, do. You're, 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 <laughs> no, you're, that's, that's your life. You've got that condom garter. i got the condom garter. The condom six shooter. Yeah, i got the seatbelt sash. What? Uh, the seatbelt sash. No. I have a question. You don't know about that invention. I have a question for the doctor. Yes, sir. The female condom. What about it? Does it really hang out an inch? Because that would stop me from penetrating if it hung out an inch. I've just got to ask. You're a doctor. It it hangs out 
Uh, yeah, as I understand it. I've never so seen what one happens in if you get in the mood. Yeah. And you're getting to the point where you're taking your clothes off. Wouldn't you react a little funny if you kind of ran up against that? Would it be a physical turn? Well, they, they, they wouldn't put it in before dinner, would right. they, Jerome? I wouldn't think so. I read in the paper you put it in eight you, hours before. I think and you then can. you go out. Oh, really? You, this well, is the deal. I'm reading that. this and I'm saying, okay, I'm a pretty normal guy. Well, i relatively normal. I'm figuring if I came across this, you know, yeah, it would really turn me off. I'm just wondering if anybody else feels that way. It would turn you off in the sense that... Visually. Visually, that uh, there was like a baggy, part of a, a, a hefty bag hanging <laughs> yeah, out of the well, I don't. Front. I didn't want to say that, but that's kind of. I'm just because. It, and it, I just saw, and it's all over the place. It's on. You know, people tend not to use them very much. That's for sure. Aren't they just out, or is it just that they're now? It's in been the out use? for a while, but people just don't like them typically. Well, it's not. It's not the world's greatest idea. Right. Lining the uh, vagina with something so that. Um, I mean, and then what do you do? Does it have a drawstring at the top so you can just toss it in the, uh, in the uh, dumpster when you're done? It, and I don't. I still haven't figured out. And Drew can't tell me how it stays in there. It's got a ring that expands inside. As I understand it, inside the ring expands. I think there's, two, I think there's rings. Up. We'll have to get one. What check keeps it out. the top from from falling in? I think there's a ring out there too. Oh boy. Yeah. This is. Uh, well, I'd rather just put the. I'd just put the condom on if uh, that's what you need. Tracy. Hi. You're um, 17. Yeah. Um, my question is for Dr. Drew. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I started my period when I was 14, and they, it was normal for a while, and then they just stopped. And then my doctor put me on um, Provera, mm-hmm. um, 10, milli- um, 10 milligrams, and I was supposed to take them the first 10 days of the month for three months. And then she told me at the fourth month not to take them, that it would start, Right. and they never did. Mm. And she said, just keep taking them. It's been uh, like three years. Oh, boy. And for the three years, I've had these lumps in my breast, uh-huh. and uh, I just told her not too long ago, and she felt, and, and all my, my whole breasts are just filled with these little lumps. Well, that can be normal. Some women uh, just have, have had a lot of cysts in their breasts, and that can be normal. Um, I, I talked to um, another doctor because they were really sore, and she wasn't in, and I had called the answering service, and... Another doctor called, and he said that it's not a reaction from the pills. Not Provera, not typically. It's usually the estrogen in pills that cause that. It's probably just you. Women have breast lumps. Some of them have cysts, polycystic breasts, and they hurt, especially just before your period. So what should she do? That is is normal. Right, but she should go uh, get them checked out, right? Sure, but it it sounds like it's just a normal phenomenon. So don't panic, Tracy. Um, Would they, like, like... Years down the line, would they end up turning into like tumors or something? No. Good. Okay. All right. Thanks. You're all right. You sound awfully anxious about your your, uh, menstrual functioning, and uh, you need to calm down a little bit. Uh, Your your periods will reestablish themselves, I'm sure, and uh, work with a gynecologist regularly if you're disturbed by the irregularities. But uh, some people just have very irregular periods. You might have ovarian cysts. You need more of a workup to explain why you're having such a regular period. If you're real anxious, can it screw with it? Oh, yeah. Why is that? Because your your emotional sort of uh, the background uh, can impact on your pituitary function. That's what determines the cycling. Your hypothalamus, pituitary are very delicate. Do, 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 do guys have anything uh, that's equivalent to that, like a bowel movement or something? No. No. Really, no. I'm trying to think of something that comes out of me. <laughs> 
Well, I just mean, uh, you know, psychologically, I can be all screwed Does up. Your nine-year-old ask questions like that. Everything's that kind stuck of going. I'm thinking premature ejaculation. That's probably all I can think of. It's an anxiety thing. Yeah. All right. That that's a good that's a okay. good point. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, we're going to hear for that uh, because of that uh, comment. We're going to hear something off of uh, the Loverboy uh, CD entitled Six, and this one is called Waiting for the Night. Off of uh, the Loverboy CD entitled uh, Six, and uh, Mike, yeah, that's you singing, huh? Yes, sir. Jeez, it, uh, there's no picture coming out of uh, Mike's mouth. I know. You, I'm a soft-spoken man. You, your, uh, your voice sounds the same as it always did. Thank you. I yeah. work hard at it. No, I mean, uh, usually just, uh, you know, the, the change between the age of uh, early 20s and um, uh, early 40s, there's a change there. You know, I've actually got a better handle on what I do now than uh, you did back then. As opposed to tiring out, I seem to be having a better effect on me. Right. Uh, Speaking I, of having a handle on things, I just found out that Adam's essence has been draining out of him for <laughs> years. Yeah. Many times, several times a day. Yeah. I, I drain the, the essence. Problem here. Well, we were just uh, talking during the commercial to uh, Scott from Loverboy, and uh, Scott, uh, Scott, what are you reading uh, that says you should maintain your essence? It's it's the Tao. It's an ancient Chinese right. philosophy about maintaining, keeping your your fluids and your essence inside. Right. Don't uh, don't you can blow don't ejaculate. Your, can you blow your nose? Uh, you can blow your nose, but actually sweating isn't isn't uh, oh really isn't really considered no. healthy either. I'm but screwed. the main thing is to cons- is to conserve. Your life essence, which is in you know in men, it's the uh, ejaculate. Right. These so. are the same guys who think if you eat a um, rhino horn, uh, you can get it on all night too, though. Oh, laugh if you will. <laughs> they've well, been doing it for two thousand or three thousand years, and somehow they've escaped <laughs> the the problems that seem to be floating around this room. But uh, the <laughs> what's floating around the room? <laughs> Your essence, Adam. My, my essence. <laughs> my essence is in the no. garbage. Where well, floating it's, uh, around the toilet, it's, I guess. It's actually it's a very beautiful and a very gentle kind of philosophy. But right. whether we were talking but about the no actual. But it's a no masturbatory philosophy. Basically, yeah. And an, a, actually, an orgasm without ejaculation is a philosophy. So. How how long can you go without masturbating? If you don't mind me asking. Do you need gerbils for that one? Oh, Mike, I can't believe you said that. How yeah. long can you go without masturbating? Well, it's it's keyed into your age, and uh, the book says. That for a man of 40, it sh- you shouldn't have to uh, ejaculate more than once, say, every 7 or 10 days. Oh, this so is, I'm having a hard time with that. This actually. is blasphemy is what it is. Yeah, I'm having a hard time. A younger man, obviously, once every 2 or 3 days. But you should be able to, to make love for 
for uh, an extended period of time without ejaculating and, and thereby oh. prolonging the pleasure of your woman. So in that yeah. way, it's a very uh, giving kind of a thing. We've got to collect all these books and burn them. Is, if you don't have, um, if you don't make love, how long, what, are you allowed to masturbate every, every seven to ten days, according? That's the key. The and key I, is, I'm not sure of that. Oh, you gotta, yeah, I'm you got to look sure into that. Because you got to, you know. You got to read the glossary and find out <laughs> I mean, where that uh, word I is think written. It, I think the, the idea is that you're with someone, you know, over, you know, for a prolonged period of time. Right. You wouldn't need to do that if you were following the sort of a, a, a regimen of, of, uh, of daily lovemaking for, for hours or but but drew is drew is here and uh, i'm no sting i don't get it on for nine hours uh, on the beach uh, you know, i don't five times a week but uh drew's here to tell you that uh, part of proper uh prostrate uh, prostate uh, maintenance is uh, the draining of the essence every yes. once in a while yes and the, the the rather rapid draining yeah yeah i can I can do mine pretty fast, too. So how do we reconcile this? I don't know. Uh, you agree to masturbate more often. That's, <laughs> okay. uh, that's all. Let the essence How about right escape. now? <laughs> I'll tell you what you can do. You can, uh, can I uh, go to the bathroom? You can masturbate <laughs> into something, and that way you can kind of save your essence <laughs> as carry-on uh, when you tour. I could suck it back in. <laughs> you have a big bucket of essence here. All right, uh, Donna. Hi. You're 27. Yes. How you guys doing? Good. Um, I work at a big company of a couple hundred people, and a guy that I worked with, uh, I got involved with, and it was kind of one of those things where, because we worked together, I didn't want to get involved, but he kept pursuing me. Uh, seemed like a really nice guy, and, you know, everyone at work knew him. Ends up, he had a girlfriend of uh, five years that he's engaged to. Never spoke about her, no pictures of her, nothing. Um, so I stopped seeing him, and then he started seeing another girl at the office, and basically he's seen a couple of other girls now. And um, and uh, pretty much everyone knows that he's engaged now and uh, whatever. But I guess what my question is is, why would somebody? Uh, and she's left him before, but she hold on, Drew. What's going on down there, please? But why would he cheat on somebody so much? What's what's happened to him to make him this kind of a person? I mean, he was born with testosterone. Yeah, he's you know he's a guy. A lot of guys do this. They spend six months lying and trying to win somebody over just to go, oh, by the way, I was just kidding. Well, I mean, listen, why why do guys uh, go on, uh, um, you know, uh, tri-state killing sprees, you know? And people do things that uh, aren't kind to others. Uh, that just happens. Yeah. But, I mean, it just seems... Men naturally pursue conquest, and once they get that conquest, they're yeah, just... Yeah, I have uh, a tendency to meet a lot of men that are in relationships. But I once I find out, as I said, I'm out of it, but... Mm. Yeah, well, let's focus on that for a second, Donna, okay. Okay. because uh, as you've heard me say many times, there are uh, plenty of guys uh, on any street corner that are willing to um, screw you over, uh, rape you, uh, steal from you, do whatever it is, uh, molest your kids. They're out there. They're all over the place. We'd rather focus on uh, why are you going out and finding uh, these guys that uh, repeatedly do this. Yeah, I can understand that. So what's up with that? I don't know, because as I said, I have no clue that they are with somebody. Well, all, the only thing we know is that you choose men who are emotionally not available. Well, once I find that, I mean, in the beginning... Yeah, but shouldn't you, shouldn't you at age 27, and the amount of guys you went out with and stuff, get a, get a little bit of a... Shouldn't your spidey sense uh, tingle a usually, little? Usually, definitely. I mean, sometimes you get a feeling, but sometimes, I mean, when someone seems so 
calling every day, bringing you flowers every day, taking you out. Yeah, your I would get suspicious. Yeah, it sounds very suspicious. Very he suspicious. The attentive guy. My family because he wanted to, not because I wanted him to. Mm. But why? Why can't? What? What is the? You, makes it so difficult for you to judge someone's genuine emotional availability versus just an act. Oh, it was a pretty good act, I guess. I don't know. Mm, no. Some of my, you know, when you have a friend that kind of screws you over, and he would get, he would be like there for me and and angry with them and fighting with them. All right, but this isn't the only guy who's done this by your own admittance. Definitely, definitely. He's probably the worst. But okay, he's the worst, general, but he's not the only one. Here, yeah. here's all I'm saying. I, I size people up pretty quick. Like I go, mm, this is not someone I want to hang out with, or this is not someone I want to date, or this is not someone I want to know, or or. Conversely, this is someone I'd really like to get to know better or hang out. Yeah. And I'm usually pretty pretty right. It's just a vibe that people have. I think I Why are you out, getting fooled all the time? Well, I think I find out most of the time pretty early. No, you're, you're, no you're, you're going what, after. What okay. is with you? What, what happened to you? Uh, what are your primary relationships like? Oh, I don't think I've ever really had one. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I, uh, I know that I have a fear commitment. Why? True. Why? Um... Well, because I think of past experiences, a few... Other all right, wait, let's gamble. we we got to gamble. gamble. All right. Yeah, okay, we got All right. Uh, you guys, um, do you guys save any of that money that Ask Camp sent you? You guys got a dollar? You got a dollar? Yeah, yeah. I got a yeah. It's bucks. not one of those uh, Canadian things with, like, uh, no, the no. Uh, head of Alan Thick on it or something, is it? It's, uh, it's real money? Okay. All right. Get your Get a dollar out, please. Uh, Mike and uh, Scott from Loverboy and uh, Dr. Drew's bucks out quick. That means he's confident, fellas. All right. Um, <clears throat> we'll go to break. We won't gamble until we come back. But uh, when we come back, we'll find out what is up with Donna. She keeps going out with guys that are uh, unavailable. She has a, a fear of intimacy. I can hear, I can hear it in her voice. She's had uh, some uh, strife in her life. And we're going to gamble on what happened to her in the past. What was her childhood like? Where's dad? Where's mom? Divorce, alcohol, alcoholism, whatever. We'll, uh, we'll make the bets when we come back. Be right back. Austin. Hi, this is Tony Bennett, and you're listening to Love Line with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. Yes, you is. And that would be the Aquabats in the background. And I think to myself, what uh, diverse guests we have on, on this show. And uh, Tony Bennett leading us in is, is no different. It's uh, Aquabats uh, one night, uh, Loverboy uh, the next night. I don't, I don't believe anyone in the Aquabats had uh, been born. Probably not even born uh, when... Yeah. Loverboy was uh, selling out stadiums, and uh, then of course there's Tony Bennett, uh, where Loverboy wasn't born when uh, Tony Bennett was uh, selling out. Well, he didn't sell out any stadiums, did he? He doesn't play stadium gigs anymore. Do Clubs. All right, anyway, Loverboy's here. That would be uh, Mike Reno and uh, Scott Smith, and oh, yes, let the gambling begin. Uh, when we left off, we are speaking to 27-year-old Donna, who is just a little bit bitter. I think we all heard that in her voice. Mm -hmm. And she works at a big company. She dated a guy 
uh, in the company against her better wishes or her her um, what would you, what better judgment her better judgment dated a guy uh, had a toward relationship and then found out that the guy was uh, engaged I believe uh, he hid all of this from her and she's uh, very upset uh, and she's dating other women. he's dating other women in the office she's very angry and um, it's always been like this it's always been this way she's always dated guys who are hooked up and um, not being um, forthright about it so we got a vibe so drew you want to go first and Uh, um, alcoholic dad parents broke up when she was about eight parents broke up at eight alcoholic dad all right i'm gonna uh i'm gonna write this down all right uh, mike would you like to go that's what i was gonna say no be more specific you you can what kind of beer did he drink (laughs) be more specific i no, i i'd say that i was gonna say single family at an early age so uh, dad was out of the scene early? Yeah, and probably boyfriends that were violent. That's a good one. That's a good bet, too. Boyfriends of mom? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's uh, very good. All right, Scott? Um, I'm going to go a little bit the other way and just say that she probably came from a... F- maybe, quite possibly two-parents uh, household, but it just probably was... It was very distant, very... Um, uh, cold, or there wasn't a lot of warmth in the family, and that she just probably went through a string of of bad luck in her adolescence. And what uh, would that bad luck entail? Uh, maybe a few bad experiences with with young men and uh, loss of self-esteem, mm-hmm. and t- until so, so she really lost that ability to be able to. Um, to be able to check out which would hear and uh, and uh, yell the uh, s word into the mic. Uh, don't get don't get too involved with your answer because then mm-hmm. if it turns out to be wrong, you, you look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you know there used to be a game show. I can't remember what game show it was, but it was a game show that was basically based on guessing the percentages, and you would have to explain why. Like they'd say. Um, how many Americans get them uh, have a aluminum Christmas tree as opposed to a real Christmas tree? And you'd you know you'd venture yeah thirty percent, but it was always funny because they would not only say the percentage but they would then explain themselves. Uh, Bob, I gotta believe it's a high number somewhere around seventy percent because I believe people are very. Um, um, they're, they're very college minded and uh, that the aluminum trees are so Didn't much family more. Family Feud sort the, of do that? It, no, it was another show. But the point is they would go on about a 10-minute explanation, and then they go, um, it's 4%. <laughs> now you look like the world's biggest a-hole, right? Because you just, you, you just did, a, you, you did a, a whole a thesis on why it was 85%, and it uh, didn't even break double digits. All right, uh, I'm going with uh, Dad. Had something to do with Dad, never around, uh, Dad gone. Uh, you guys kind of covered that one. Never bond with Dad. Uh, dad never in the picture. How about that? Nice and gentle. All right, uh, let's see. Where were we? Six. Uh, six. Big pot tonight, by the way. Uh, four bucks. Donna? Okay, so um, actually the last person, I don't know who that was. He right. was actually the closest. My parents were together. Um, oh until my mom died a couple of years ago. Uh. And, uh, she was in a car accident. It wasn't an unexpected thing. And but they never separated or anything. My dad did drink, but he's been sober 22 years. 
he's been in NAA. So he was drinking when you were a little kid. Up until I was about five, and I don't really remember it. My parents, like, he never hit my mom or anything like that. Um, the one thing about my childhood is my mom and I never got along. She just, I was the only girl in the family, and I actually clung to my dad because my mom just, I don't know what it was. It got better when I got older, but I was a real tomboy when I was a kid, and she just didn't, she was very conservative, and she didn't like that. Well, something about the way you need to act out on men, uh, something, something's up there with the way your relationship de developed with your dad. Uh, did you, did, was he kind of scary? Did you have to sort of control him? And, uh, you know, when he was drinking, do you remember, remember what that was like at all? No, you know what I remember mostly is my mom was angry and I didn't know why. That's all. I mean, I was up until I was about five. Yeah. Were you busy protecting him from the mom? Probably. That sounds more likely. I mean, I, I have a therapist, too, but I remember that that's been an issue. And what's going on in therapy right now? Um, just, um, I mean, the one thing we found out is I know I have a fair commitment. I'm very independent, but a lot of it is because I feel like that's the only person I could depend on. Who? Is me. All right, so you, you sort of, uh, did you sort of ra raise yourself a little bit? I mean, even though the family was intact? I don't know about that. I mean, my parent, you know. All right, well, well, hold on a second. Let's uh, let me try to divvy up the pot here. Or uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, Drew doesn't feel like. Well, when Drew doesn't get the money, he uh, doesn't feel like he's I getting the, the truth. You got the alcoholism, right? You got the alcoholism. Uh, although you did have the breakup at eight. Mm, and no, you're. I was, I was five. Yeah, I know, but you had the, you, you you had the uh, you had the parents uh, the family breaking up. Uh, Mike had uh, the violence in the in the uh, family. With yeah, boyfriends. And, and there was no violence there? No, no. I mean, I, I have been date raped a couple of times, but again, that was well. somebody where it was like maybe a first date thing and I never saw them again. Mm. Oh, and let's uh, take a vote here. Uh, date rape count as violence? Uh, show of hands? Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll go with that. Well, you said in a relationship. A family. You said so. he was saying boyfriend, mom's boyfriends brought violence into the home when she was a kid. Was I know. Sure do anything for a couple of bucks. I'm I, we, I all, know, we, know, but, we all missed. We all yeah, missed. Yeah, but, but wait a minute. Now, who said, who said, uh, was it Scott then that said that the boyfriends had a rough go with uh, some boyfriends? Mm -hmm. Who, who, uh, how old were you when you were date rape? Uh, I was 19, so it was about three years ago. Mm. It happened again later the same year. Oh, well, that's a bad year. What, uh, what happened there? With one, I was at a party, and uh, this guy asked me, you know, we'd just been hanging out, and he said, could you bring me my cigarettes? I didn't think anything of it. I went to hand him his cigarettes in the next room. He locked the door behind me. Did your therapist ever give you any kind of diagnostic ideas about what's going on with you? Did she ever mm -hmm. give you a diagnosis? Mostly we just, the thing, I guess the thing that I'm not quite getting out of therapy is I, I see a problem, and so I solve it, and then I move on to the next thing. And, um, like in this case, I'm not talking to this person or anything. In a way, I mean, I'm definitely bitter, I think. Well, it seems like you're, you're really stuck in a cycle where anything that moves you towards an independent sense of yourself triggers defensiveness and acting out. And this, this, maybe this was what was established early on with the alcoholic dad, that any, anything that she did independent became scarier because the dad was intoxicated and the family system was in strife and she had to fall back into a defensive posture in order to keep everybody pieced back together and the, and the sort of the system intact. All right, so Drew, you get uh, a dollar for the alcoholism. Uh, Mike, you you want alcohol too, right? Or you wanted to go alcohol? Uh, I had violence. You had violence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, there was a date rape thing, which uh, but that wasn't in, in the family. And then Scott, you had uh, yours was a little nebulous, wasn't it? You had a sort of rough childhood. Not at all. What, what, we got to help Donna. What are we gonna do to help her? 
Well, I'm, therapy. I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out the money. Get the pot. We all oh, okay. get the money. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta stay in a therapy. And it yet, sounds to me like she's not making a connection with the therapist. That's the real problem. It doesn't sound like Donna's making yeah. a connection with anybody. Right. And, and until she does that with a therapist, he's not gonna be able to do it with another person. All right. But here's my advice to Donna, which is my advice to almost all our listeners every night, which is, your compass is a little bit screwed up. You're attracted or drawn to guys that are in that are abusive, that are in other relationships. Know that about yourself. So therefore, when you find yourself being attracted to some guy uh, at work that uh, smells of uh, high karate in Lavoris, steer clear of that guy. Stop before you uh, proceed and say, wait a minute, I'm attracted to this guy. That must mean something. Let's look into this for a second before I get involved in a, uh, you know, uh, on-the-job relationship with the guy. See, I don't believe that, uh, you know, we're going to cure everybody uh, with one conversation. But I believe when people know what they're doing, if it's a repetitive pattern, they can simply just pull themselves out of the game a little bit and sit back and not get involved with the actions that that uh, that make the pattern. I think uh, someone like Donna, she's not going to be happy uh, a month from now, and she's not going to be cured when we're done talking to her. But I think she needs to just step back a little and maybe not get in a relationship or have any kind of uh, contact with a man for a few months until she works out a few things, and then she can free herself up to go out with the kind of guy that she deserves or that um, she should be going out with. All right, uh, Drew, why don't we sell the next call before we go to break? Someone on a cell phone wants to talk to the band. Okay. All right. Loveline will be right back. Why? Because we like you. Hi, this is Harry Connick Jr., and welcome back to Loveline. Hey, thank you, Harry. Mike Reno and Scott Smith are both here from Loverboy. And, of course, uh, Dr. Drew. Hey, the specials will be in here tomorrow night. There's a there's a band that's been around. I see and, David uh, Spade's coming down the pike. Oh, boy. And uh, Joey Ramone. He's quite a conversationalist, that Joey Ramone. I don't think I've ever heard him say a word. Does he talk, Ann? Okay. Didn't he do that Adams Family thing? Yeah, that was uh, was that cousin Ed? I saw I saw uh, one of my favorite porn movies was an Adams Family uh, ripoff. You know the hand? Yeah. That uh, comes out of the thing. Thing or with a thing? Yeah, thing was um, uh, grabbing a big penis. <laughs> it was really, it was really wrong, but it was it was a good movie. Really Why? Was. What made it good? I didn't good? have the sound up. Just good-looking women, you know. And plus, it was great seeing, like, um, you know, uh, Morticia or... or well, wait a minute, is that Morticia? And seeing all your favorite TV characters uh, getting nailed, I mean, even if it wasn't them. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of exciting. That had come out that I Dream of Genie one, too, so I got really Jeremy get excited. Ron Jeremy playing uh, Fester? Uh, Ron Jeremy was playing Uncle <laughs> Fester. <laughs> you son of a bitch! What'd you do, see this thing? No. Ron can't. Jeremy was playing Uncle Fester, Drew. That's bizarre. True. No, I, come but on. now I have to see it. Yeah, some uh, pay-per-view uh, on the road. Uh, I know it gets lonely on the road, Drew. That's All right. Uh, just a guess. You know, I was trying to think of... Uh, of I was thinking about uh, Mike Reno from Loverboy and uh, the uh, the old look with the uh, leather pants and the... Uh, this uh, yarn headband and all that and the blonde uh, bushy hair and the, the whole thing and I was thinking uh, and I was thinking 
boy, it, it reminds me of something. There's something that reminds me of, but I couldn't figure out what that... It's it's a very, you know, because back... Uh, I didn't. I haven't seen that many Loverboy videos, I don't believe. I mean, I, I saw the ones that were on MTV, but it's been a while. And I was trying to think of who you reminded me of, and I finally realized who it is. It is uh, Michael Flatley. It's the Lord of the Dance guy. Oh, yes, right. The old Loverboy videos look right. like the guy from Lord of the Dance. The, the, uh, the Irish gig. The, the Irish gig guy. Yeah. He's wearing the leather pants. He's got the big smile on yeah. his face and the bushy blonde hair, and he's got that string. He's Irish. <laughs> you, uh, do you know the guy I'm talking about? Exactly. Is, is, that, uh, is that ringing a bell? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw the commercial the other day, and I said, this guy looks a lot like me. Yeah. It's funny you should mention that. I mean, I'm serious with it. I'm being totally, and I don't know if we just mind melted there, like Spock. No, <laughs> it's been something I've been thinking about so you've for, been sitting there looking for some at me. time. I yeah. you're thinking, I thought. Yeah. But you know, I was praying it would be something like well, this. who came first, than, Reno or Lord of the Dance? Well, of course. Uh, Reno's been around Reno, longer. Man. And uh, Reno set the uh, bushy uh, blonde hair with the tight leather pants and the yarn headband uh, long before this poser came down the pike. Absolutely. But he can dance. He certainly can. But uh, everyone hates him anyway. I don't know why uh, why he, he brings out uh, so much hatred in people. but uh, It's the he, jig. He drives people nuts with that jig. Well, he's smiling all the time. I, I, I love the Mike uh, Myers ripoff that he did. Oh, yeah, we at the uh, MTV thing. Movie Awards. Right. All right, uh, Drew, where was we? Laura. Yes. You're 25. Yes. Loverboy, I love you guys. I swear, when I was in the fifth grade, I used to come home from lunch just to watch you guys on MTV. We'd wait for your video to come on. I want to know whose butt that was with the red leather pants on the album cover. Uh, Laura, everybody seems to be asking that question tonight. And <laughs> it's true. Uh, we, we just I just laid it on the... Uh, our friend here from the record company, and uh, it kind of burst the bubble, but it, it, it's, actually, it's a girl's butt. Oh. Yeah, and it's her dad's arm around her. We used to swear it had to be Mike Reno, we swore. No. If you look closely, you can tell it's not a guy's butt, because oh. there's nothing between the, the cheeks. It's, it's a girl's butt. If you, it, it's, it looks like a guy's only because there's a guy's arm that's all hairy and everything, but it's a girl. Oh, no, I'm disappointed. Was that off of uh, Get Lucky? Get Lucky, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those uh, famous. It's kind of my, there's like the Rolling Stones album cover where there's a zipper in in, in the crotch. Uh, is it Sticky Fingers or uh, I don't Sticky remember fingers, which yeah. one? But there's a few uh, there's a few famous uh, rock and roll record covers, and I I think that day's gone now because of the fact that they used to be you know 12 by 12, and uh, now they're four by four, and it just ain't ain't gonna cover it anymore. But there's a few famous ones, and I would say Get Lucky is uh, is in that group. I'm trying to think of uh, Drew or any. I mean, of course, there's Sergeant Peppers, and there's and there's a uh, Zeppelin four. Oh, with the uh, with uh, Zeppelin the Zeppelin going down, going down with the uh, Hindenburg going down. Yeah. yeah, there's a few few out there. Wow, but Santana uh, was. A, what is right. he trying? That what? That the. I'm saying there's a handful of rock and roll album, album covers. covers that uh, people know. Right, they're the, like, cl like artistic classics almost. Uh, yeah, I mean, cultural they're classics. not even necessarily genius. This is just some 15-year-old and some dittos with a guy grabbing her ass. But the point is, is either they sold so many of them or, or, or whatever it was, people know that cover. Right. As opposed to nowadays when everything's on a CD or a cassette, and it's just album art is gone. Yeah, yeah it's just you, you can't do it. It's like a, you know, it's it's gone because it's all been shrunk down right. to uh, 
I don't know. What is a record? Is that 12 by 12? 12 by 12. Is the original so it's, it's, it's like a full page ad as opposed to like a quarter page ad right. in, a, in a newspaper. It's just not the same thing. Laura? Yeah? Well, Adam, I think you're way cooler now that I know you're a Loverboy fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we love you guys anyway. I listen to you at work. Anyway. Adam and Drew. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm glad to hear Loverboy's back. That makes me happy. I didn't even know. Well, go out and get six. Okay. Uh, six. Can I ask Dr. Drew something? Or sure. Or is he gone? No, he's there. Is he there? Uh, Dr. Drew, my husband is a diabetic, and he likes beer. I think, he doesn't go overboard all the time, but I think it's too much. Some people have said that it would be healthier if he smoked marijuana. Um, no. No? I don't think so. How about how quaaludes? Much, how much Wouldn't beer is he doing? Wouldn't that be easier on the, uh, on the stomach? I'm sorry, what? How much beer is he doing? Um, just, he says he, he needs a vice. He'll drink, like, one of those big 24-ounce ones after work. and Every day? Um, a lot of days. And sometimes on the weekends, if he gets around his friends, he'll drink a lot more than he says. How much? Every day. After work. Yeah, People yeah. drink a couple of beers how, after work. How is uh, his blood sugar control? Um, pretty good. He's more luck than skill, but it's pretty good. How, what is it? It usually stays around uh, 160. That's not so good. Tell him that in a couple of years, in not too many years, his uh, penis is going to stop working. And that's a fact. He needs to keep in the 80 to 120 range if he wants to be assured that things that uh, continue working properly. Then your eyesight can get screwed up. Yeah, but the only thing that affects young males, you tell them that they're going to get sexual dysfunction and they, they uh, fall right in line. <laughs> it's the most bizarre thing of all, but it is the truth. Right. That's oh, yeah. The, it's the only thing they hear. You go right to Lose the penis. The, you know, the, the dialysis, no problem. Yeah, they'd rather be on dialysis and have their beer. But you tell them the penis isn't going to work anymore, and uh, okay, that, that's the end of the beer. Well, I think you ought to try to work that into everything. Uh, uh, when it comes to men? Yeah, yeah if it were truth, if we're true, you, you should. Well, <laughs> that's the only thing that men hear. Why don't you lie for the, uh, you know... Yeah, because then you lose your credibility, and then they won't listen to anything. Well, you don't have any credibility. Jason. Yeah. You're 14. Hi, how you doing? Good. You've been on uh, hold for 108 minutes. Exactly. It's been a while, but it's uh, been worth it. I've tried to get through many a times, but it hasn't worked. All right. What's your question tonight? I have a couple of them. Uh, one's on uh, Bud, smoking Bud. Now, I've been told by like many people that uh, if you smoke it a lot, you can die from it. But I know like my friends' parents smoke it, and like they haven't died yet. So no, you can't. You you won't die from it. You you can develop a severe form of addiction. And it can have a lot of consequences. You can get depressed, and you can have memory problems, and you can have difficulty functioning at work. But no, you will not die. As far as we know, there is some concern about... Well, wait, wait, there wait. has been some cases of people going out, uh, making like a uh, nachos run about 4.30 in the morning, getting cleaned out by a tanker truck or something right, like a, that. A, a car, all right, so, so it's drinking not a direct driving, correlation. Drinking but and driving, drinking while intoxicated. Excuse me, driving while intoxicated can, can have a, uh, obviously a consequence. And there is concern that there may be... Yeah, but be not that you're getting an accident. It's just that somebody who's tired of being behind you uh, going 22 miles an hour in a uh, 70 zone after about uh, 15 off-ramps shoots you in the back of the there, head. There is some concern that you can cause airway damage and things you like... You know what I'm talking about, right, Things right. like emphysema. There is concern that there may be a potential for lung cancer. So if that ever proves to be true, then yes, there is potential of uh, killing you in some respect. But it's mostly that it causes... Mood disturbances, and that if you're an addict, if you become addicted to it, you'll typically switch to something else, and those the something else usually has more consequences. They, they, do they smoke a lot of pot in Canada? You don't uh, hear about. It. I mean, I, I think of when I think of Canada, I think uh, I think of boozers. Beer. beer yeah. I think a guy uh, drinking beer. Become, no, the West Coast has become one of the, like. West the Coast, second, British Columbia. Yeah, the People second. Smoke bud everywhere. It doesn't matter where it's you're huge, at. Huge, they grow it everywhere. Really. Big. Big, big. Washington's talking about it. It's weird that it's back so big again. Oh, well, in where? Oh, in the United States? Everywhere. Yeah. 
Well, people, it's uh, people are looking to get a little, little escape. Plus, everyone's, uh, you know, we've that? moved on because we're we're on to crack and AIDS. So uh, people look at uh, smoking pot as a, you know, yeah. hell, that's health food. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, it's to the that's point true. where it, it's you, you get this sort of lesser of evil of, of of a few evils mentality. It's like, well, the kid's got to do something. Uh, He's not smoking cigarettes. He's not drunk. Uh, he's not got the AIDS. He's not snorting heroin. He's smoking weed. Uh, well, uh, all things considered, uh, not bad. Not too bad at all. I'm proud of him. I'm going to give him a new bong uh, this year for uh, for Christmas. <laughs> Just as long as people don't get addicted. That's when you get in trouble with pot. Listen, I, I don't really, uh, I don't have a problem with marijuana at all. I think it should be legalized and, and all that. And I don't really have a problem with, with uh, too many things. But... I have a problem with people doing it when they're too young, uh, because you could already hear uh, young Jason at 14 with a little bit of the wind taken out of his uh, sail, and you really need that uh, sail at uh, full mast when when you're young. You got to get up, you got to go to school, you got to work, you got to go to college, you gotta, whatever it is you got to do, you got to take care of business. And, and there is evidence that the new connections that are associated with learning and with new d emotional developments, the brain actually develops new connections. Those developments appear to be blocked. They actually don't happen right. if you're on drugs during those years. Right. Right. And uh, then when you know when you get to my age, you want to forget, and uh, that's fine. Then you get into the marijuana. Uh, so, uh, so in Canada, it's, uh, it's, uh, you guys drink a lot of rye there, don't you? So we don't drink rye what here. What is rye? Crown Royal. You, do you call Crown Royal, but th that's, that's whiskey. Rye. Oh, that's rye. rye. See, they call it whiskey and rye is the same. It's rye whiskey. Yeah, Canadians call what we call whiskey, they call rye. I see. I think. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Don McLean sung all about it. Wow. Remember that? Yeah. Kind of. And good we old boys. We don't have a, a, a substance. We don't make bourbon. Oh, you don't? We don't have that. You know, why? You need, uh, you, need, have you need racists to make good bourbon. <laughs> I think you need <laughs> guys with shotguns filled with rock salt. We uh, do not have bourbon. That's yeah, you don't have enough racists. We'll send some racists over. Okay. They're good at, uh, they, they know how to work that still. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you never see any blacks or Jews or anything working a still. It's, you need a good racist over there to make you some bourbon. Uh, is Drew, it just a racist or does it have to be a supremacist? Uh, oh well, uh, well. If you really want to make the uh, single malt stuff, the really, <laughs> the really good stuff. All right, please. Uh, um, uh, Amela, Amelia. Yes. What's going on? You're 30. Yes. You're on with Loverboy. <laughs> Hi, you guys. Hi. Um, I remember their song too. Turn it loose. Oh yeah, no, it's turn me loose. Turn me well, turn it loose or something. I gotta do it my way, <laughs> or no way at all. Okay, I just. That's back when bands used to sing about dumping <laughs> chicks. I, just I miss to that. that. They were there, but I just want to get into my question. All right. Um, gosh, okay. You know, bands used to sing about going on the road. Hey, we only got a minute. Dumping chicks. Amelia, go ahead. Okay, um, hi, Dr. Drew. Hi, Amelia. So great. I love you. My mom loves you, too. Thank you. Okay, um, you are too, Adam. You're great. No, thank you. Okay, um, I, I came out of a 14-year relationship. Oh, boy. Okay, I've known that guy since I was 16, and I'm really happy. Anyways, I want to start crying in the air. Um, what happened there? No, that's good. That's good radio. Why, yeah. did, why did it end? Oh, because... Because it was a physically abusive relationship. Um, we were both using, you know, um, we drank, both of us together, huh. since I was 16. Are you in recovery now? Yes, I am. Okay, and he wouldn't... I'm nine months sober. Congratulations. And thanks. And, um, but it's really hard because, you know, I'm staying out of a relationship. 
You need I'm to. Here's this is. I'm gonna go cut right to the chase here because we have very little time. Okay. But you you got a sponsor. You're working the steps, right? Yes. Okay. So my question is, is when I'm around people or guys, you get involved too quick. No, my mind. Okay, I don't get involved because I know that I can't. But I won't because I figure, well, well, what the heck? I left that relationship. Why should I get in another relationship? No, it's good. That's good instinct. And but but yet I I'm attracted to the guys that I talk to. Yeah, you you want you like feel yourself being drawn drawn into these things even when you don't really want to be involved. Right. Okay. So you, what's my problem? Codependency. Is that what Start it going to some Alana or some Coda. Presumably you had an alcoholic dad as well, right? Let me just say. Mm-hmm. Correct? Hello? You had an alcoholic dad yourself or mom? My dad. Yeah. And my it, it, mom's an Al-Anon. Okay. Well, you need to go, necessarily, not necessarily with your mom, but maybe maybe go with your mom. Go to some Al-Anon and work a codependency recovery. You're you know, six, nine months into your alcoholism recovery. It's time to begin looking at your codependency issues, too. It may, it talk to your sponsor about it. Maybe a little premature, but that's going to be an important part of your growth and health. Oh, so look there's got to be a lot of sex going on at all these. Uh, no. All these oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. please. Every look, friend hey, I hey, know is in these if, things. If that happens, you go to the, uh, LACA, then that's somebody, no, no, that's somebody, that is somebody whose disease is, is uh, active because uh, part of the recovery process is learning to maintain boundaries, just like Amelia's trying to do. She's trying not to get sucked into these mm, things. Okay. She gets sucked in, her, her disease is underway again. Drew, yeah. I got to do it my way or no way at all. All right. Why don't you turn? I okay. play by my own rules. All right. Let's go. All right. We'll be back with uh, Loverboy after this. The phone number for Loveline, 1-800-LOVE-191. Call now, all you sick kids. Loveline will be right back. Yeah, I really could, um, hey, can I, like, jam with you guys or something? Absolutely. I can come out and we'll sing Almost Paradise. I'll come out in, like, a big moo-moo and a, with a wig <laughs> and uh, I'll sing uh, Almost Paradise with it. That's so cruel. Well, yeah, that is cruel. Hey, I, I got to say something about Heart. I saw them on some sort of VH1 whatever thing. They're still uh, rocking. They're good. Absolutely. They absolutely are. All right. Uh, Loverboy, uh, Mike, uh, Scott, thank you very much. Had a good time with you guys tonight. It's been very interesting. Six is the name of uh, Loverboy's latest offering. Uh, Please go out and get it if you haven't already. Uh, The specials will be in tomorrow night. And until then, this is Adam Kroll for Dr. Drew saying mahalo. This has been Loveline. The opinions expressed herein are certainly opinions. That's for sure. If you'd like a written transcript of today's program, you probably should have written it down yourself. And if you did, we'd like a copy. Loveline producer Ann Wilkins. This broadcast was copyright 1997 Westwood One Entertainment. This music is MXPX on Tooth & Nail Records. Sit, Obo. Obo, stop dragging your butt across the carpet. This concludes another PodcastOne.com program.